Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Contact Keller's today and get your yard cleaned up before that dirty old man winter comes. I hate to say it, but he's on his way. The mornings are cold. They're frigid. I don't like it. I'm turning the uh, the steering wheel warmer on. I'm, I'm putting the seat warmers on. It's, it's just miserable. But contact Keller's today. And if you're looking for snow removal services during the winter months, they can take care of that for you too. Do not break your back this winter and leave the heavy lifting to the professionals at Keller's family owned and operated. Their team is looking forward to serving you Keller's garden center and landscaping services located on Kern street in Exeter near blue ribbon dairy. Find them on social media to learn more. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, man. Good. I've got Mark here from the band Hungover. Uh, it might be one of my new favorite bands. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I Well, I, I never heard of you before. And it's a shame because, I mean, you've had music that, you know, out like, what, six years ago? It's about, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's so hard to you know, find all this music. But I'm glad that uh, uh, Tori from your... Uh, your PR reached out to me and said, I have this great new band. I would love for you to check them out. And I, I remember I, I just hit play on the first song, whatever it was first on Spotify. And I'm like, please let them know I'm available for interviews. I would love to chat with them. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I record these. It's uh, what February 13th. Um, the recording this is late. It's 930 at night. So I won't keep you too long. Um, no worries. I mean, um, if you got time, I got time. No all sweat. right, cool, sweet, sweet, sweet. But by the time this comes out, like actually the day this comes out, is a big day for you and the band because your new record will be available to the masses, uh, and that is called "When It Touches the Heart, Everything Resolves." Yes, hell of a name for a record. <laughs> hell of a title. <laughs> what, uh, yeah. What's the what's the what's the let's talk about the new the new. New album. It's it's out today. It's streaming everywhere. Uh, let's get right into uh, uh, th- that record. Absolutely. Um, so th- with the, with the title, like it, it is a mouthful. Um, but if you listen to all our earlier stuff, the the last EP, it's called Wilt, um, and we wanted to kind of hint like one that uh, we've evolved. We're experimenting with new sounds. We've matured a lot. It's been like you said. It's been years put out any new music so um we kind of wanted to let people know like this is a chapter two of the band and the last record wilt is actually an acronym for when i lose touch and uh i had this idea to call the the record wither um and for it to stand for uh when it touches the heart everything resolves um but i didn't want it to get lost on people so i said let's make it the whole sentence <laughs> let's let's put it in there 
And uh, Matt Burns at Smart Puck was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm positive. <laughs> like, because every time I say when I lose touch, people were like, oh, I didn't know that. And like, I didn't want it to be an Easter egg. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's why we named it that. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, the, the, I could definitely tell, uh, the difference between, you know, this new record and then the one that released, uh, a few years ago, um, definitely a different sound, not, not entirely different, but definitely, you know, you said you guys kind of grew and, 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 um, uh, Talk about the record itself, um, outside of the title. I mean, uh, it's it's been a, it's been a minute since you guys have put something out. It's it's been a really long time. Um, we were a band that was like very active, like uh, touring as much as possible. Like completely abandoned our home lives to like really hit it. Um, and uh, I I equate it to like the gifted kid burnout. Where like it's like hot new band on the scene touring as much as possible like DIY shows VFW halls, um, playing in someone's backyard all that like we were not afraid to play anywhere and we would do twenty shows in a row without stopping no days off, come back home for a week go right back out on the road, um, and we just like got burned out before uh, I think we really reached our full potential and like a bunch of personal problems started coming up and. Everything started to slow down. I found out that I was going to have a daughter, and then all of a sudden, there's a pandemic. Um, so things kind of came to this screeching halt. We weren't really sure if we were going to be a band anymore. Um, but what's really interesting about uh, uh, being in the pandemic and and having to sit with ourselves is musicians are going to musician. You know, we all start writing music, and it's like, well, I have this idea. <laughs> like, if you if you want to hear it. And then a voice memo gets set, and then we start talking about what we can do. And I did a few of those, like, uh, live Instagram live shows where, like, people are just playing acoustic in their living rooms or whatever. Um, and it's just, like, it gives you the taste. And it's like, oh, like, we can still do this. And then as soon as it felt comfortable, we got back in a room together. Um, and three of us decided we were going to keep going. Two of the guys decided that, you know, no hard feelings. They had moved on in life. Um, Evan moved to Colorado, Austin got married. Um, but the three of us really wanted to keep going. So we started writing and recording more music. And then we were demoing and demoing and demoing. We realized, oh, we accidentally wrote a record and we are kind of contractually obligated to put out a record, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're starting still on the dotted line. So like, let, let's do it. Like, let's reach out to smart punk and let them know that we have something and, um, they were very cool about the whole like kind of disappearing into into dust. And then I think they kind of didn't really know what they were doing during the pandemic. Everybody kind of had to make a shift. Um, we had a bunch of these songs demoed and then we were like, okay, well, let's like, you know, demo them again. Let's really like get in there, polish things. And then we sat on it for a little bit more, played some shows, played some of the songs live. We realized that some things needed to change, demoed them a third time. Um, and then when we started choosing who we were going to do the record with, um, we had demoed these songs three times over with our friend, Sean Dolich, who's worked on a bunch of cool stuff. And it became pretty apparent, like, oh, like if we take this bit from this demo and this bit from that demo and all this stuff, um, Sean was thorough enough and demanded enough of a performance out of us to where, uh, we kind of had like a Frankenstein version of a record. So we went in and we recorded the songs. 
a fourth time <laughs> with with all these uh, bits and pieces that we pulled from the first, second, and third um, demo sessions, if you will, that got sent off to uh, Alan Reitman, who did our entire first record minus mastering to kind of help give it that like hungover flair. He added a lot of vocal production, tied everything together, made it sound like a record versus 11 separate songs that kind of sound like each other, you know? And uh, we actually went to Alan Douches, who also mastered our last record. Um, and somehow that took five years and, and we ended up with what we have now. And I think it's really, really cool because I can listen to songs and see how throughout the record my taste changed and what I wanted the record to sound like changed. And I really got to sit on these songs and let them brew and marinate and uh, arrive at a point where I'm really, really, really happy with them. And at the end of the day, although we're experimenting with some new sounds and some stuff that's a little bit more out there than what we would normally do, um, the song structure is still there. The, the heart of everything is still there. Um, our approach to music and what we like is still there. It's just like, you know, we added a few pieces of flair here and there to make it sound a little bit different. Um, but I think at its core, they're good, honest pop and pop punk songs with sometimes a little bit of a heavier element, sometimes a little bit of a synth pop element, sometimes a little bit of a, the, the guy who mixed our practice yesterday called us Hillsong United. <laughs> we have that like acoustic ballad on the record um and it's just like drowning in reverb and the acoustic guitar and all this stuff um but we're, we're kind of pulling from everywhere and um i don't know I, I love that because i feel like although sonically we might not be the most punk band to exist um i feel like the most punk thing ever is to do whatever you want as long as you're doing no harm to others and this record is us doing whatever the fuck we want you know yeah yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs are very uh, anthemic. Um, you know, you got Think Straight, Out of the Body, Reunion, Candy Flip. And I think you, uh, that, that that slow song you just kind of mentioned, uh, Hard to Tell, was thrown in there. Uh, which yeah. Is, I mean, I love, I, I love every every song on this album. And when that, that, that slower song came in, I'm like, this is like, I needed that little, little bit of a break just to, to kind of come back down. <laughs> Was, I'm, so glad you, I'm so glad you you heard it that way too uh because the way the the vinyl is set up um side a ends with that song okay so the you flip it to side b and then kayfabe starts so you get like uh the idea is it kind of it starts a little aggressive with like crazy solos on candy flip and then think straight is like this very much almost like a straight pop song um, and then everything's like very catchy and then it kind of just descends into this, uh, acoustic chill place where you could take a break. And the back half of the record is really where like we're throwing shit to the wall to see what sticks. So it's kind of like a palate cleanser, like, Hey, like we threw some stuff for you. If you're a fan that's familiar in this first half, we're kind of like testing your palate a little bit. We're going to see what's going on. And if you like this, like it's about to get real weird. <laughs> No, it was, it was, it's great. It really is. Um, Thank you. Now, I mean, as a musician, I mean, you, you know, it's, it was, it's been six years, right? And obviously there's a bunch of things you, you mentioned that, you know, aided to that. Um, what Did it kind of drive you nuts uh, almost? Like I always imagine a, a musician who has that much time to like sit on s songs, like 
just go back to it, like tweak it, and then like does it drive you nuts to a to a degree? Yeah, it's it's still driving me nuts <laughs> because now what's interesting is we're gearing up to to play this uh, album release show, and uh, when this comes out, it'll be in two weeks, I believe. And when you start playing the songs live, they start to take on another new life, and they start to feel different. It's like oh, like. It'd be sick to add a pause here. Like it'd be sick to add a break here. This song should go into this song because like they go into each other or whatever the case is and we're thinking about the set in that way. So like in that sense, we're still kind of tweaking the songs. And I was talking to my partner yesterday and I was telling them, uh, I am going crazy because I've been working on this so long that it legitimately feels like it's my life's work. I've been a musician since I was 13 years old. I turned 30 last year and I've never put out a true full length record. Wilt was eight songs, but before we got picked up by smart punk, it was five songs. And they, we added the three more songs so that we could uh, fill up space on a 10 inch vinyl. Um, so three of those songs weren't even meant to go on that record initially. Um, so we call it like a super EP or whatever. Um, so this is like my first full length, the first, batch of songs i've ever written uh to be heard consecutively in this in this thing and i have felt like a madman and i think at some points it legitimately affected my personal relationships i wasn't seeing friends like any free moment i had like between like being a dad and having to work and uh trying to do this music thing or whatever like i was just like i live in orlando we were doing the record in Ormond Beach, which is about an hour drive and then an hour back. And I'm spending anywhere between four to 12 hours in the studio, no sunlight, <laughs> like driving back, working, coming home, checking in, breaking night again, sleeping four hours, like whatever the deal is. And like, it really did feel like I was obsessed with this. And at some point I did have to have a talk and just go like, hey, I got to finish this. I'm taking time off. Um, we're going to crush this record um, using all the PTO. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're, we're going to figure this out. And uh, towards the end, we like over the last year and a half, um, it's been a long process of like getting it mixed, vocal production, mastering. Everybody's been super backed up with their workload and all that stuff. Um, and uh, to finally be arrived at a point where it's going to come out because while we're having this conversation it's not out but when this video comes out it will be out uh it's truly cathartic it's, in, it's insane like it, it feels like it almost doesn't feel real like doing a podcast and talking about it and like the fact that we've put out these singles and like event like soon the the record will belong to everyone like it won't be mine anymore and i can't sit here and tweak it and i can't make a change and i can't like pull it back or whatever like it feels weird because it's been such a not a private thing because like i'll post on my instagram and say like oh we're in the studio working on this here's that whatever um just to kind of like scratch that itch like microdosing releasing music by posting a studio session to my instagram story you know um but uh yeah it, it has driven me crazy a little bit and i just imagine in two weeks at this release show like I don't know that I'm going to be able to perform. Like I might be crying <laughs> like, like from the release. Of like, Oh my God, it's finally out and I've heard it. And I just don't, I don't know. Like I had a moment where we put out the first single and I knew it was coming out 
And I stayed up till midnight to make sure that it was on my phone and that nothing went wrong and that everything was going to go good and that it existed. And I saw it and I was like, cool, it's real. And then I got in my car the next morning and I was like, I feel like it's bad luck to not listen to it on Spotify one time. And like, it wasn't an ugly cry, but it was one single tear. I'm just like, we fucking did it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's out and people are hearing it and like, it's on to the next one. And um, we really have been a band where like people just really were holding on to that last EP and they loved it so much. And that's one of the things that like perpetuated us to get this record out is we felt we owed it to so many people to deliver more. Um, but you don't really realize how much you owe it to yourself until you finally do it. You know? Yeah. Sorry, that was a mouthful. <laughs> no, dude I, 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 dude, I love it. I mean, this is this is about you guys and, and the the whole process. So, I mean, please, by all means, talk about it all. Um, I mean, I imagine you had a, you know, you said you did a ton of shows. You had the, the first uh, EP or you know, however you want to call it. Um, as far as your fan base goes, I mean, when you kind of re-entered the, the atmosphere, uh, so to speak. I mean, did you were your fans receptive to that? Like, I mean, were they? You know, did you lose them? Like, how how did that kind of feel? You know, being so, gone for so long. That's that's been interesting uh, because it's not like when we came back, we're like, all right, let's go do six weeks. Uh, we like did a we did a fly out to New York. We've done a couple out of towners, um, mostly playing in Orlando, like kind of like chipping away getting back into the groove of things. Like I said, we did lose two members. So like trying out uh, some fill-ins and stuff um, and fill-ins will fill in. So they fill in other places. <laughs> so it's just like finding a crew of people, like a, a rotating uh, cast that can kind of help out. That was a, that was a big deal for us because ultimately um, the main reason we do this is because we like, love it. We like playing shows. We love writing music. we like, getting into the mix of everything and at the age that we're at um i feel like myself's not old or anything like i don't want to do this if it's not fun and i don't want to do this if i'm not spending time with people that i absolutely love and that i like making music with um so like that was interesting too where it's like uh now i think we finally landed on a cast where like it's like okay i can sit in a car and drive for six hours with you <laughs> like not be absolutely miserable yeah um but uh as far as like the fans, fans, listeners, whatever you want to call them, um, there were some that we lost, but we did keep a lot of the, the the core fan base. And that's awesome because that's who this is for. Like, that's why we put it out and it didn't just exist on a hard drive for forever. Um, and it's, it's cool to see the reception. And I was really nervous because we are messing with some new sounds and you can hear a lot of them in the singles. Um, I was nervous that people were not going to be receptive, but what I've come to learn is that our audience has grown with us and their taste has changed with us. Um, because when we were touring a lot, um, as a I don't know, 22 year old or whatever, like singing my heart out in backyards or garages or the house of blues or whatever, then you would take us, you know, um, a lot of the times it was people around our age, um, and yeah, some of them have kids now and like, maybe like they have to get a babysitter to come out to the show. Um, but I think they appreciate it just as much. And 
thank God for the internet. I can just make a post and reach out to them and get in touch with them. And algorithm might make it a little harder, more or less, you know, but um, it's definitely been interesting to uh, have not a huge group of people, but like a loyal group of people who have been so patient and so receptive and so grateful. And yeah, it's, it's cool. It like, we played a, a show last year. We did a, a five year anniversary for the, that record wilt where we brought back uh, those two members so that they could kind of have like a farewell, like a send off or whatever. Cause we're still best buds. We love them. Um, Cause you know, life happens. So um I was nervous. I was so nervous that it wasn't going to do well. I was like, who cares? No one is going to care. Before that, we hadn't played for probably a year. Um, and I was like, I was like, who's going to care? So it's the week of the show and it's half sold out. And I'm like, oh man, like we invited this band from Jacksonville. I want to pay everybody out. I want to make sure everybody's treated well. I want everybody to have a good show. I'm like half sold. I don't know that that's going to do it. We start pushing the show. We're selling tickets every day. If there's one thing I've learned about being in punk, it's that everybody went to the last minute to do everything. Um, so it comes to the day of the show, and uh, Marshall runs from Montgomery Drive, the best booker in the whole world. I absolutely love him. He's the best promoter ever, and I'll put that on my on my gravestone. Um, he walks up to me, and he goes, 30 left. And I was like, oh, man, is that going to be enough? He goes, it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. Doors open 15 minutes later. It's sold out. I cannot believe it. We're, we're about to play. I look outside the venue. Um, there's people waiting in line and still trying to get it. And I'm like, I absolutely can't believe it. And then we're playing and we play one song and I'm like, holy shit, it's still, it's still a thing. Like, it's still real. It's still tangible. It's still something that people will want to be a part of. And like, it just, it feels good. Like, it's, it's so, so, so cool. And I'm so appreciative of it. And it's, I don't know. Like, it's very validating. Like, you work on this thing for so long and you kind of go away for X amount of time. And you're like, is anybody going to give a fuck? And when people give a fuck, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's real. Like, that's this, awesome. This is why um, you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super cool that those connections have lasted a third of my life, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, the the first. Let's talk about Wilt. Um, and we'll talk about the differences in sound. Now, it's no secret that uh, that record has a very Fallout Boy esque sound to it. Your vocals, yeah. and I hope it's not an insult. I really hope it. I mean, I've been ripping stump off since I was like twelve years old, dude. <laughs> it's <laughs> no so fucking, but it's so good, dude. Like it's so, it's like there's it's it's like definitely a hint of that, but it's like still your own. Um, and I mean, I'm a, a huge Fallout Boy fan, so I mean, I, I think I gravitated towards this just because of that too. Uh, but, but the songs are very catchy. They're very consumable. Like, I mean, they're great. They're great songs. And then this this new record. Um, I always hate like doing this and trying to like you know oh this sounds like this and this sounds like that. But yeah, it's kind of it's you know for these instances where we kind of like if anyone's listening or, or you know, haven't heard of you before to make make them an idea of what it sounds like. This new one, contact. yeah. This new one like there's even like a, a little uh, a day to remember in there. Okay, I haven't gotten that right. one yet. Okay, what have you got so far? Um, I've gotten like crazy stuff. I, I always get Fall Out Boy um, just because my vocals, like I don't think I'm ever going to get away from that. Um, but I've, got, I've gotten Young the Giant. I've gotten The Neighborhood. 
Um, I've gotten, what else have I gotten? I got Panic at the Disco a bunch, like their like later stuff, the more poppy stuff. Um, what else have I got? I haven't heard a day to remember yet, but that's, I, I could absolutely see it. I totally see it. A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not like, not as like hard, but like there's definitely like hints, especially um, their newest record that they got torched for. But I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, I, and I, I, I'm a big advocate for like artists being able to <laughs> experiment. Like the fact that people get mad and like, this doesn't sound like the last record. And it's like, these guys are artists. Like, what, what do you what do yeah. you want them to do? Just keep pumping out the same shit. Like, they're they're creators. They they want to take chances and and create and like, it's just it's just I I laugh whenever I hear um, you know people say stuff like that. But um, there was another band I I, I can't I can't think of it. I, I tried all day today, uh, and I can I couldn't even tell you what song it was. And I'm like, that's that's like reminiscent of this. And uh, I thought it was Head Automatica, but it's not that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we get uh, I get coheed a lot. See, I hate coheed, so I wouldn't even say that, dude. That's what's crazy about it to me. Our drummer loves coheed. I didn't listen to coheed until this band was a band for like five years because people kept telling me, like, oh, I hear coheed, and like when I listen to it, I'm like, I hope not, I don't, I don't see it. But we do, we do get that one a good bit. But the uh, the data remember is interesting because um, in the middle of recording Wilt, we added Sean to the band. Sean and I played in a band together, has to be twelve years ago now, called Broadway, and that was like a post hardcore. Didn't quite sound like a data remember, but it was of the time. Um, and Sean brings a much more post hardcore dynamic edgy alternative feel to the writing and uh he approaches dynamics a lot differently than i would um so on wilt i was tracking a lot of the guitar i think i tracked like 80 percent of the bass of the guitar and it came from a place of me writing songs in my room acoustically we did not really demo them at all and we brought them straight to the studio and built them there which is not what most bands do. It's very, very weird and not normal. I don't recommend it to anyone, but it worked for us. Um, so this last record was different for me because Sean is head and shoulders a better musician than I will ever be. Um, I'm very technically proficient. I'm not just saying this because he's in my band. I remember when I was in high school before I played with Broadway, and he was in Broadway. I would go see them play and go, this guy is a machine. His dad, the way that some dads make their basketball player son shoot 100 free throws before dinner, uh, Sean's dad would make him do scales. And if he messed up, he would have to start over. Um, he just like thinks in guitar. It's like his superpower. And it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I'm very lucky to have him. Uh, so with a lot of these songs that I wrote for this record, I played an acoustic guitar and sang into a voice memo, sent it to Sean, and then we would go to the studio and he would go, I got it. And then the guitar was totally different. The key is the same, the chords are the same, but the way that he plays is different. The structure is different. Um, the rhythm is different. Everything is, it has his, his flavor and his sauce on it. And I think that will be the most apparent difference is how much more Sean wrote on this record. Um, and the last record we, we did, uh, the Alan Reitman recorded the whole thing. Big pop guy, um, big Blink One Eighty Two guy, um, big pop punk guy. 
Sean, uh, he did work on the most recent broadside record, which is incredible. Um, but he also comes from that post-hardcore world. He uh, he plays in a band called Mood Ring. I'm in another post-hardcore band with him called Cat Company. Um, he fills in for Our Last Night. So like that's his vibe. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the, the sonic change is coming from, from the two of them. That makes sense. Yeah. I always find it interesting, like when you can, <clears throat> and again, like I, so I, I guess I'm not an artist, right? So it's, I, I, I find it amazing. Like when musicians can do this and like when even like people who are, you know, like artists, like whether they're painters or, or graphic designers or whatever it might be where, you know, cause you mentioned you sent them, you know, the voice memo over and he kind of just like brought it to life. Like that's amazing to me. Like being able to take something that's like just words or like, if you were humming or whatever it might be, and then them take that and just like make it magic. Dude, that's it. It does feel like magic sometimes. Like when you have the idea and then it comes out almost exactly how you thought it was going to come out. Like, I don't know how it works for other songwriters. Cause I, I haven't been fortunate enough to have enough of these conversations with other songwriters. But every time I write a song or I get an idea for a song, I go, thank God I got one. Because it's like a lightning bolt. Like it hits my brain and it's like almost a fully fleshed out idea. And if I don't hit the voice memo or go to a guitar or like figure it out in that moment, I may lose it and it'll be gone forever. Um, and sometimes it's not good and it still feels like a lightning bolt and I have to get it out. But um I'm always worried it's never going to happen again. <laughs> like that I'm never going to get to lightning bolt. Yeah. And then it is so cool for me to feel that lightning bolt for lack of a better term. And then to like pass it along to someone else. And they're like, I got it too. And then they like keep going. And that has truly been the spirit of this project to where uh, we only really work with people that we enjoy because like, I feel like that's how you get the best work. And once it's out of your hands, like you just have to give all the trust to the people that you have chosen to trust to where, so for example, out of body, that song came together. Um, Sean and I broke off from the band on a tour when we were had an off day in New York in the city, we were going to go meet up with some friends I had from high school. And I had this uh, idea for the hook. Um, I had like written some lyrics the day before, like they just like come to me when we were walking, it hit me. This is pre AirPods. So I plug my corded headphones in <laughs> and I go, Sean, if I'm going to, we're in Manhattan. <laughs> so I'm like, like, all right, like if I'm going to run into someone, nudge me because I'm busy. Because what the fuck are you talking about? I go into GarageBand, I get the first chord progression for out of body on like the simplest brand piano. I play it on a loop. I export that loop and I listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. And by the time we get to the end of our hour and a half walk, wherever it was that we were going, um, I was like, it's done. It's like, what's done? And I was like, the song that I spoke to you about yesterday, it's done. He goes, that's what you were doing this whole time? And I was like, that's what I was doing this whole time. Took it to the, our buddy Ian Marshanda, demoed it, sent that demo to Sean, Connors, who's in our band, he takes it and demos it to Sean Dolich or with Sean Dolich. And then when I got that back, I was like, dude, 
you must have been in my brain in that moment. (laughs) You were, maybe it's because he was right there and he felt the energy and he remembered that feeling from six months prior or whatever the case is. But when I got that first demo back, I was like, this is it, baby. (laughs) We freaking, we freaking did it. And uh, then, you know, you pass it along to the guy you trust with vocal production. You pass it along to the guy you trust with mixing. You pass it along to the guy you trust with mastering. And then, you get it back on the, and you listen to it in the context of the record. And like, I truly feel like that's the greatest song I've ever been a part of. I think it's the best song I've ever written. I think it's the best song our band has ever created. And I will die on that hill until I get another lightning bolt. That's as good as that one. Um, But it, it does feel crazy that it happens. And like, sometimes I have to like, listen to it to remind myself like, Holy moly, this song took on a six year journey. And it took the help of others to like really get it there, but it is it to your point is so incredible. Like that the collaborative process works that way and you end up with something so cool. Yeah, I feel like you have like the right all the right pieces are in place. The 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 band members, the 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 technician the technical guys and, and the the all all everything really, like the even the PR team. I feel like the the music that's out there, you know, and Wilt and this new record, like you should be talking to Zane Lowe instead of, you know, John Popko from NEPA. I appreciate that. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it's, it's, I guess the, what leads me to this question is like, these, so, these songs are so good and they're so well done. Um, but there's so much music out there. It's like, how do you break through the noise? Um, and how do how do you like? Is there a plan to to do that? Is there a plan like you know the last record you guys were just like constantly you know playing you played it anywhere? Is there a different or a similar plan with the release of this this new record and these songs? So that's kind of the that's kind of the, the new challenge. Is six years ago the world was different, the internet was different, the way that things were received uh, was different, and. I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't care if this record got out to everyone. I want as many people to hear it as possible. Of course. Um, but just based on where we are in our lives and what we're capable of at this moment, it does not make sense to hop in a six in a van for six weeks and play wherever. We do have to be more calculated. We do have to have more of a presence on the internet. And um, sometimes it does seem impossible. I will go through a period where it's just like, I don't want to make a fucking TikTok, dude. Like, I don't want to be a content creator. I don't want to do this. There are so many other things that I've had to learn in the process of making this record. Like, I taught myself how to make lyric videos. I taught myself video editing. I taught myself color grading. Um, I started to dabble in graphic design. Um... I figured out how to write an album rollout plan so that I could pitch it to SmartPunk, and I ran it through ChatGPT, like to make sure that it that it sounded right. Um, I studied what other bands were doing, and the one thing that has become abundantly clear is that there's no guarantees at all. You can never be sure that anybody is going to hear it, um, and as much as you would love for everybody to hear it, the best thing to do is to make sure that you are writing for you and you're writing something that you would want to hear um, and that you're excited about. And maybe 
next record we are talking to Zane Lowe and John Popko, you know, <laughs> but um, maybe not. And that's fine um, because I gave it my all on this record. We all gave it our all on this record. And I think that if it gets in people's ears, that it's something that we can stand on. And my whole music career, I've never had a, a body of work where I could say like, no, nah, I'm confident in this and I feel good about this. I'm very skeptical of myself. I think like most creators, I am constantly doubting my every move. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that is absolutely awesome is that I feel so good about this. So we're going to play shows. We're going to play as many as we possibly can. We're going to try and get as, in as many ears as we possibly can. And it's really just going to be a trial and error thing. Um, I'll spend four hours editing a TikTok that gets 200 views. And then I'll post a video of Sean playing guitar that's not color graded and just like mashed up. That's overdubbed with the song and it'll do 5,000. And that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why certain things resonate and other things don't. Um, but I'm going to figure it out, you know? Yeah. The other thing is, um, last record, we got a lot of love from Spotify, a lot of editorial stuff, a lot of algorithmic stuff. Um, and it's just more competitive. I think something like 10,000 songs a week get up on the spot. It's insane. Like for me to expect that they're going to pitch fractured and listen to my song for more than 10 seconds is insane. <laughs> like it's just not going to happen. So you do have to work harder and you have, do have to find different ways to get people to listen and, when I get the answer, I'll let you know. Like it's it's a it's a toughie for sure. It's hard, man. Like it's 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 and you have to be your own, you know, marketer. Really, it's like you have to do all those things you mentioned. You have to be your own graphic designer and content creator. And it's like, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but like, it, it gets to be a lot, right? Like it, it's like you know, you just want to be able to write good songs and record good music, and then. After you, after you spend, after your brain is tapped from doing that, now you have to talk about yeah. doing TikToks and like all this other shit. It's like, what the hell? So you, I'm, I'm sure you get it. This is the first time we've ever spoken. So like, I don't know what your life is like. I looked yeah. at your Instagram before we started, so I could like, you know, get a feel for for what you do here. Um, but uh, I don't really know what you have going on. But I'm assuming podcasts might not be your full time deal. Like no. you might have something that's going on. Um, but at the end of the day, like you care about this and you really want it to work out. And whether one person listens to this podcast that we're doing or 1 million people listen to it, you're going to put in the same effort and work and care because this is what matters to you. This is what's important to you. And you're going to set aside that time to make sure that that happens. And I think I feel the same way about the band. I, as much as I am a partner, a father, a friend, a brother, a son, all that stuff. I am equal parts also a musician. And I don't think that I would be happy with myself if I just stopped or if I didn't try or I didn't give it that genuine effort. Um, is it frustrating? Yeah. Like it's, it's super, super frustrating. I was actually just talking with someone at work the other day because uh, I I manage a corporate barbershop. And, uh, oh, shit, that's sweet. Yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, I love my job. It doesn't really feel like a job a lot of the times because I'm just like shooting the shit and cutting hair. Um, the corporate radio plays hungover. 
and it goes to every single bar. We have, I think, 115 locations nationwide. Um, so if they play Hungover, it's playing in all those shops. And one of my employees walks up to me the other day, and he goes, isn't it cool that because of the internet, like someone got a hold of your band, and now like people know you that you've never met before? And I was like, it is super, super cool. I think our band is bigger if the internet doesn't exist. He's like, what are you talking about? And I go, well, if I could just rip, <laughs> like, I could just play shows and write and record music, then I think, I think I'd be better off because I could focus all my energy into that. And when we first started to develop any sort of a following, um, the, the lore was not hungover has such good content. They're so entertaining online. The lore was hungover is crazy and they will jump off of stuff and they will break stuff and they sound pretty good, but like they're really just there to have a good time and we want to have a good time with them. And, uh, if the, if the people who, who, who work with me do hear this, which would be funny. Um, I always talk at work about like curating a vibe and uh, wanting, like curating a vibe that people want to be a part of and that you would, that will attract people to you. And I think that's always what we've done with this band is like, what would I fuck with if I saw a band playing live? Like what energy do I want? Um, and if I could spend a hundred percent of my creative energy thinking about what I want the live show to look like, how I want the songs to sound, uh, just things like that, that really just boil down to the art and not like the marketing plan for the art. I think that we probably would be a more successful band. But if I sit here and what if, what if, what if, then I'll rip my hair out, you know? Sure. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you brought up uh, talk about what a what a live show from uh, from Hungover looks like. Um, well, now we're older, so we jump a lot less. These uh, <laughs> uh, cartilage in the knees. <laughs> I get I get gassed real quick. Um, but we get, we uh we like to we like to play loud and we like to play fast and uh, a lot of harmony and a lot of singing along and stage dives if you want. And uh, a lot of just like, I would say, not always, but before a lot of shows, I'll just go, this mic is yours, not mine. Because I want you up on stage. I want you involved. I want you to do the mic grab. I want you to feel like you're a part of something. Because at the end of the day, whether it's $10 or $100, you decided to pay your hard-earned money to come into this bar or club or vfw hall or whatever the case is um and you want some sort of escape you want some sort of entertainment you want to feel like you're a part of something um and i owe it to you to give it 110 percent and leave it all out there and you you should get what you paid for you know <laughs> like like we we try and go hard and i hate that phrase i really do hate that phrase like i go hard like like whatever <laughs> but um like we do try and go as as hard as we possibly can uh, we're living with the bang over the next day. Like we'll be a little bit sore, um, but we just live for the gig, man. Like I, I really do love it. Um, there's nothing like it. I've never felt more connected to people than when I'm playing music. Um, so yeah, we should, we try and get as crazy as possible without, uh, needing to 
take the next day off, you know, got to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel that like that comes through though in your, in your music. And I've never, obviously I've never seen you perform live, but I feel like, I mean, I, I that's what I would expect from a, a band of your caliber, you know, based on the songs that I've heard, like that's what I would expect. Yeah, for sure. We, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you feel that way. When we lost the two members uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic, we knew pretty immediately that we were going to backtrack one of the guitars and that we were just going to use one guitarist live and that the other guitar would be basically be a computer. Um, and we wrote this record also with that idea in mind that we wouldn't um, fully rely on a computer all the time for every single part. Um so we, the live performance really was taken into consideration when we were putting stuff together, especially by Sean. Yeah. He's big on that. And here's a boring question for you. I'm sure you get uh, the name Hungover. Where does that come from? Um, so I didn't pick the name Hungover. I wasn't even in the band uh, when they picked the name Hungover. I actually joined as a guitar player 10 years ago. Um, and then I ended up, I played bass. I wanted to play bass. I've always wanted to play bass. It's my main instrument. It's what I love to do. Um, but I played guitar because I just needed to be playing music in a band. And I had some friends who were in the band already. They were active and playing every weekend. So I was like, I'll play guitar in this band, whatever. Um, but they, from what I remember, uh, it comes from a Mr. lyric about feeling permanently hungover. Um, and when I joined the band, uh, the band camp said, hungover, it's about being tired. Um, so more less from drinking, even though for a while we were like the party band of Orlando, it felt like um, more about like the actual feeling of things weighing over you from the day or the week or the month or the year or the life before and uh, how you carry them into the next day and how it, it can be so cumbersome to exist at times. Hmm. Very sad. That's much, but, deeper. That's much deeper than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, everybody just goes, woo, easy to remember. <laughs> that guy well, was right? I'm like, not quite. But. <laughs> Close. but no, like when I heard, I think it's a great name in that like when I when I first saw it and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just intrigued by the name initially. I, you know, pop punk, punk, whatever. Uh, and that's, I was just like, hey, hey, hit play. And I'm like, I'm sold. This is, this is great. Hell yeah. But uh, I, I want to talk to you about something and you don't have to, if you don't want to. Uh, we mentioned uh, being, being a dad and uh, the whole part of this, the whole point of this podcast too is to talk about the music, talk about the band, talk about, you know, all that kind of stuff. But also like you as a person, you know, uh, whether it be you know, personal life or whatever it might be, uh, I'm a dad myself, and it's one of my you know it's it's the favorite thing in my life. It's the most You're important wrong. thing in my life. Yeah. So talk about. I mean, it, you know, what's it like being a dad? Um, it is simultaneously the greatest achievement and the biggest challenge that I've ever faced in my entire life. To uh. Yeah, dude, like I, I get emotional thinking about it just because like it's yeah. so, so crazy that I have these like two people in my house that I affect every day <laughs> and they affect me in such a great way. And like the whole idea is that you're 
supposed to be imparting knowledge on them and like teaching them how to be a functional person and how to live and have the love and all that stuff. And you want them to take all the good parts of you and, uh, for I call it cheat codes. It's like I always want that, like my experience to help them skip things in life that I had to struggle through. Sure. Um, and just like give them like the cheat codes or the keys to success or what you think a success is, and then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of like, well, like what is a successful person? Success is happiness. So how do I make my kids happy uh, by just existing? But I don't want them to fall behind. But I want them to. It is. It's just this constant back and forth where it's like. I want to make these people the happiest people that they could possibly be while still growing and still nurturing them. And it's not like there's any parenting book or parenting TikTok or advice column is like such bullshit because every person is so uniquely different. And even my two children who come from the same place and live in the same environment are so drastically different people because of the way that they're wired. You have to approach each one differently and you have to navigate those relationships differently. And each one means something different to where like you think about that phrase, like who's your favorite child? Like, well, I love both of them equally like yeah. because they, they are so different and they are their own adventure on their own and together when they come together, like the dynamic changes and all this stuff. Um, it is truly the thing that has made me feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be all the time, but I also have no idea where I am. <laughs> like, like I, like I know, I, I know I'm in a forest, but if you gave me a map of the world, I wouldn't be able to tell you which forest, yeah. but uh, we're working on seeing our way through the trees. You know, it's, it's really, I don't even know that it's, there's a word. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's, it makes you realize so much more about yourself. You have these like tiny mirrors that, um, they kind of show you things about you and like, your, did your kid ever do something that you do that you think is bad? And you're like, fuck, that's like, fuck, that's me. <laughs> like, I, I have to. Like, I'm sure. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, some of it is hardwired sidebar. Um, I have three siblings, uh, that I did not meet until I was 24. Oh, wow. And I went and I met up with them. And we had, we got food and my sister looks at me and my two brothers and she goes, this is ridiculous. And I look up and I'm like, what are you talking about? And we, both of my brothers and I are on the same side of the table, mouth slightly open, looking down at the menu with our arms crossed like this and our hand on our head. <laughs> it's not like a, like a, like a choice. Right. Like a tra like something that's like a part of our personality or whatever the case is, but it's just something that like some at some point we are all genetically predisposed to be postured like this when we're in taking information. <laughs> something somewhere made that happen, yeah. and it's it's so crazy to see like that balance of like nature versus nurture, and like how is this person wired? What do they get from me? What do they get from this other person that helped me make this? Per it's it's. Oh my God, that's a whole other podcast. Life's <laughs> like, crazy. Yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so awesome, but like so challenging. And like, it'll make you question yourself and dig deeper and try harder. And 
that's like a that's a big that's another big factor in me doing the record is a lot of people will say like how are you able to do this and sustain this with children i don't want my kids to feel like i gave up on my dreams because they exist i want them to feel like i pushed harder to achieve my dreams because they existed to where if you if you order the vinyl and you open it up um there's a dedication to them in the bottom right-hand corner of the insert uh, because they call Gabe and Sean, Uncle Sean and Uncle Gabe, like we're family. And that's like the most important part of my family right now. And I want them to know like uh, that dreams come true because you make them. And like, they're like, they're my dream come true. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a crazy idea, but like, me doing this in some weird way is me proving to them that, like, with, for lack of a better term, that, like, I'm not just some fucking loser who took it easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I put it hard to make this thing that I wanted to happen happen. Like, Holly, do you have one child, multiple children? I, I, have, I have two, a six-year-old and a 19-month-old. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you, One day, your children will look at what you're doing and they will see that their dad has a whole archive of conversations and stories that he has collected and relationships that he has made. And they will see how much you truly care about what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And I feel that way too. Like that's like, I want when they, when I am gone for them to hold the vinyl and go like, Holy crap, my dad really did something. Yeah. He tried. Like, and maybe I don't get a billboard number one. Maybe I don't get that Zane Lowe interview. Doesn't matter. Maybe I, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is that my dream is to put out music and have fun with my friends and to, to be a happy person and to raise happy people. And I'm going for it, you know? Yeah. My son will, he, he knows that I do, he doesn't know what a podcast is, right? But like, I, I do these at night. The reason I do them at night is because, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad first and foremost, and I, I make sure yeah. that we we do dinner together and, you know, I read the books and do the bath times and all that kind of stuff. You know, my wife, collectively, right? And, um, yeah. And, you know, so I do this at night and he'll always be like, oh, do you have a podcast tonight or whatever? And I, I'm excited for him to get to an age where he understands what I'm doing because <laughs> he has no yeah. clue what it, what it is, right? And um, like like what you said, um, you know, have this collection of, of things that, you know, when I'm gone, like he he can have access to, and, and my daughter can have access to. Um, because I my I lost my dad early. I was 22 years old, and what I would give to have a recorded conversation, whether it would just be just audio or you know a visual or whatever, what I would give to have that. Like, I I don't know what that would be, but um. I'd probably give anything at this point just because I don't, I don't, I can barely remember his voice. Yeah. So it's, it's cool to, to do. And, and in addition to that, it's like, you know, daddy wasn't a loser. Like he, you know, he just wasn't like, yeah. he didn't come home and like just sit on the couch and do nothing. He played with us. We did dinner. We did this. And then like, after I went to bed, he was doing, you know, a podcast or whatever it might be. Like, it, you know, to have those things and you know, you're, you're teaching them without teaching. It's just, you know, you're, you're hustling, you're, you're, you're doing these different things. And it's, uh, I, I think anyways, it'll go a long way. That is. Yeah. That's it, dude. 
Like that's that's the best thing that you could possibly do. And it is tough because you get the guilt. Could I be doing something else? Could I do this? Could I do that? Whatever. Um, but that's just like a part of the balance. Like you have to do things for yourself so that you could be the best person that you could be um, so that you could be the best person for them. Um, like when someone's like, my kids are 100% my whole life and I don't care about anything else. Like, I think that's BS. Like, yeah. I really think it for is. Sure. Like, you you like football, dude, and that's fine. <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Watch the game. Game. Yeah. Other thing, like, you can, you should be a well-rounded person. Yeah. Um, you should, you should do all these things. Like, for example, like, this is, this has way more to do with, with my personal life than music or anything else. But, um, I have a wonderful partner whose dream is to do art for a living. And over the last year, actually just uh, the the Super Bowl was their apprent- apprenticeship anniversary. Um, they are now a licensed tattooer and they struggle with things sometimes and the whole motherhood thing and mom guilt is very, very real. Yeah. Um, taking time for yourself. But like, I think it is the coolest freaking thing that when my kids are older, they will look back and they will see my mom worked for free for a year and busted her tail and worked super hard so that she could be a licensed tattooer and make art for a living and put this stuff on people's bodies that they will take with them forever. And now she has hundreds of thousands or whatever of walking tapestries all around the world that like she made. And I think that's going to be so freaking cool. And when you're in it, it sucks because you're like, I want to be a parent, but I have to work, but I want to make my dreams come true. And my hobbies are not my work. And like, sometimes these things don't line up and I have to stay up late so that I can do the podcast or I can draw the picture or I can write the song or I could do this thing or whatever the case is. But you have to think macro sometimes. It's mm-hmm. so easy to dig into the minutiae. And this isn't just a parenting thing. This is a life thing. It's so easy to get micro and to dig into the minutiae and feel like you're doing the same things over and over again and you're sacrificing time. And what else could I be doing with my time? And is this a waste of time? Will I ever achieve that dream? And like, it's a really corny phrase, but I think it's a little overused, but the closest you will ever be to achieving your dreams is when you give up. If you don't stop, then you'll know that you tried your hardest and it's more a waste of time to just give up because if you give up, you'll never know and look at all that time you wasted trying, you know? Yeah. So it's just, dude, it's being a human is fucking nuts, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like the feelings and the, the growing up and growing old and realizing things and perspective. And I'm in my head about it. Constantly. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you know, I, I'm I'm 41 years old. You're uh, you've got you're 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 young in my mind. Um, and like when I think back, you know, you know, my parents, you know, you always think about the generation prior. Like I'm sure that you know when you know we watch TV as children, my parents were like, "Oh, that TV's going to ruin their brains," blah blah blah. And now we're like, "Oh, these video games are going to ruin our kids' minds" and all that kind of shit. Like, but I I I genuinely feel that like our our life and our world and trying to raise humans is far more difficult. And I said, I'm not trying to like compete, but it's far more difficult today 
than it was for our parents in that, you know, the, the social media and um, the world we live in in general is just crazy. But like, you know, even, even like, you know, the kids mental health and like, that was like, you know, maybe it wasn't as big as a thing back then, but it's, it's more of a, it's a, it's a bigger thing now. And at least it's, a, it's addressed and, and recognized, but like it, I mean, growing up now, like as a kid and then growing up, you know, being a parent, it's, it's so, it's just, it's information overload. It's constant worry. It's constant stress. Am I doing a good job? Uh, are my kids okay? Are they, are they, you know, shielded from the things that they need to be shielded from? Uh, it, it just never stops. Yeah. Just constant. It's, it's wild. And then as soon as you think you have it a little bit under control, new challenge has entered the arena or new yeah. obstacle or, or new stage of life. I had a complex this weekend about whether or not to step in as a parent. I, <laughs> I lost my grandma two years ago and, uh, we went to go visit her, uh, funeral plot on Saturday. My son had been and my daughter had not because she's, she'll be four on Saturday. Uh, so just like not like there's no reason for her to be there. Just one time my son went with my mom and helped like clean up some stuff, put flowers on, made it nice. He understood and he remembers my grandma. So like just like something to, you know, help him process whatever the case is. Um, we get out of the car and uh, my daughter's like, what is this? And my son goes, this is dad's grandma. Her bones are in the ground and her body's in the sky. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Like, what do I say? Because, like, he processed it and he understood yeah. and he understood in a way that was necessary for him at the time. Yeah. I don't need to get deep with it. I don't want to expose him more to the idea of death and existentialism right. and religion, perspectively, and spiritualism and all that stuff i don't want to go there but then i have this juxtaposition of my four-year-old almost my almost four-year-old was just told uh bones in the ground body in the sky dad's grandma like is what is what she heard and i didn't think about it and i was like you know what i'm just gonna let it slide i mean it's it's what it is we're, we're we're here to like she understands he understands it's all good yeah. I'm, I'm making an executive decision we're not going to explore this anymore let's put the flowers down let's pull the weeds and yeah. we'll get out of here the well, next well, day, there'll be a day for that yeah yeah the next day um i'm getting ready for work my partner's in bed uh the kids are both awake but my partner's still working on waking up my daughter sees that the door is open which is her signal to go i'm gonna go wake up mom and she jumps in the bed. She worked late the night before, so they were asleep. They didn't see her for the rest of the day. Um, the first thing my daughter says the next day is not good morning. It is, yesterday we saw dad's grandma. Her bones are in the ground and her body's in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I should have corrected it. Like, uh, what happened? Like, wow. like oh, deep. It's just like, it's like one of those things to where it's like, it's, it stuck with me enough to where I just told the story on a podcast. Um, but it is, uh, is it a misstep? I don't know. Should no. I have said something? No. I don't know. But like, we're, we're, we're working on it and we're, we're moving through it. And like, hopefully I never have to deal with another situation like that again. But it's just like, 
I don't know. It's so interesting. Like the, that whole dynamic and like what I could have done different, what I did right, what I, I don't know. I think he did. I think he did perfect. It was, it, yeah. I mean, for what it's worth as a, as a, as a father to a father, it's just like kids are going to be kids. They're going to, they don't, they don't even like, they don't think about it deeper than that. It's just, it's very surface level. It's just like, okay, this is what it is. And they don't, they, and they're on to like, you know, whatever is next. And I, kids are hilarious. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nuts. nuts. And it's, it's very interesting with like, I don't know how, how your youngest is, a, is probably not speaking too much yet. So I don't know what, what they're aware of or whatever the case is. Um, but my son especially has an acute awareness uh, for emotional situations and like where people are. And on the surface level, He's like Fortnite, Super Mario, Sonic, Roblox. <laughs> like, like, like that's what I care about. I don't really like math. <laughs> like like that's where he's operating from. Um, but I, he'll sense when I'm down or something, and he'll just like sit next to me. And he's like, "I love you, Dad." And I'm like, "Why did you know? Yeah. <laughs> like that I needed the push or just something or like." They'll like bait, they'll bait me into playing like if I'm feeling down or depressed or whatever the case is and like it is wild to and I wish I could tap into it honestly as an adult mm-hmm. like that innate ability to just be like I don't like that you're sad right now and I'm not gonna tell you that but like let me just do something to shift your environment a little bit to maybe like perk you up make me feel better make you feel better everything's all good because they just want everything to be chill they yeah. want everything to be nice they want everything to be Maybe not necessarily quiet. Sometimes the the chaos is peace to them. Sometimes you need Legos all over the floor and a drawing on the wall that you did in permanent marker or whatever the case <laughs> is. You know, like that's that's what makes you feel like you're achieving your your stasis. Um, yeah. And you, and you learn as you get older. But that's really all they care about is is just to for things to be level and for things to be all good the way they see it. Um, sometimes it's it's weird to to have to remind yourself of that. Like that, I think that's where that, Oh, am I doing a good job thing comes to play? It's like, Oh, are they happy? And it's like, no, they're like, they're happy in a pig and shit right now. Yep. <laughs> like they're so fired up. I'm the one who's, who's <laughs> questioning if everything's all good or not. Like they, they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. And, and how real is the second child thing? Like, as far as, I mean, I was like neurotic with the first one, just like, Oh my god! I can't. You, you can't fall. You can't. Blah, blah, blah. And then the second one was like, yeah, whatever. So, with the second one, I think we had a very unique experience because she was born uh, a month to the day before the country shut down. Wow! So I had I didn't have very much PTO uh, stowed away. I think I had ten days, so I took ten days off, and then I was right back to work. Another two weeks or so passes by, maybe two and a half. And I was very fortunate to where uh, our job furloughed us maybe three or four days before like the entire state of Florida um, shut down. So I was able to apply for unemployment like a full like 72 to 86 or 96 hours before everybody else did. So I got it super early. I was chilling. Um and I got two extra, almost three extra months of paternity leave that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. 
So I didn't necessarily have to be like super precious about the outside world because it wasn't coming in, you know? Um, we were like tucked away, bought as many groceries as possible and just like hunkered down. And it really was just us. And it was kind of nice. Um, because even my son who was, who's three going on four at the time kind of understood like, this is what we're focused on right now. Like you're still focused on me, but like, yeah, I'll grab a diaper for you or like whatever the case is, you know, like he felt involved, we were involved. Um, and I think that's kind of where I gained the perspective really of like it's all that matters is that we're happy uh because things were so much easier then because all we needed to worry about was each other and then as soon as you start bringing in those perspectives from the outside world it's like okay well like now is when i'm starting to question things because it's this is not the only thing that i'm focused on you know mm -hmm. um so i was i wasn't more or less precious about one versus the other um, but just the experiences were so drastically different, um, because of just like the state of the world. And with the second one, I really had to like, I fully had to pause. Like I, I didn't get to keep going. I didn't go from, uh, touring full time to all of a sudden, Oop, I'm a dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was, uh, uh, it was interesting. So I, I don't know that I'm like the best person to ask. <laughs> like, yeah, I people who are just like second kid, like, <laughs> like whatever, it's all good. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we're definitely not like like do whatever you want, but just like I remember, like if she if she just fell like on her butt, like I was like, oh, you're fine because I, I yeah I went through that before and it's it's, it's okay, but like for my, our firstborn was like, oh my god, you fell, are you okay? We still we still bug out sometimes about stuff like that. Like we're still super cautious of like when there's a cough or or uh, something like that. We so with my youngest, uh, she has never been to daycare. She doesn't go to pre K yet. She'll be in pre K next year. Um, so she didn't get the immune system that my son did to where like three years old eating dirt with other three years old with other three year old putting <laughs> boogers on each other. That whole deal. Um, so we are, we are a little bit more cautious and like when she does get like sick or something or get hurt, it is much more significant because her exposure to pain and sickness has been yeah. less. You know? Um, but yeah, fatherhood, dude, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, we could, we could sit here all night talking about being dads and it, it's, 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 it's all day, all day. I, I cut other dads and I talk about being a dad. It's nuts. <laughs> like, it's so weird. And no one has the same story twice. No. It's all different. Everybody has a unique experience for sure. Yeah. Life, man. Life is just uh, it's a beautiful, crazy thing. Absolutely. But, uh, well, thank you for sharing. I, I, again, I, some people want to talk about, you know, being dads on, on podcasts and not li have it live on the internet. You know, it's like, not that we're talking about anything, you know, specific, but. Uh, I'm, I'm very publicly a dad. Yeah, same, very proud same. Of your dad. same same I, I love talking about it because it's just uh it's, it's my favorite thing in the world 100%. but let's wrap things up uh hungover albums out now streaming everywhere uh you alluded to that it's it's uh also available on vinyl i think you said uh people are actually getting it now and today's february 13th yeah it's 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 actually really really cool um to see like who or who was like the first to order it? Like they're getting it now, and uh, whoever subscribed to that like uh, 
smart punk record club thing they're getting it now which is it's crazy because the the album actually got like soft announced because uh around christmas time smart punk announced this really really cool um record club thing where you get like a monthly batch of records um and they put us in there which is a super cool and generous of them because like they put like the sales and self-titled in there <laughs> like, like like stuff like that so just to like to see our band like oh yeah you're gonna get our record it's cool to see like the first few people go like this is incredible like and what's more awesome is that those people i won't say forced but these people were made to listen to the whole thing from front to back the way that it was intended to be listened to um and i think that's a great place to start well it's, it's so awesome they did that because a lot of times bands nowadays they don't they don't you know put those songs in order that way because of the way, you know, the streaming services are and they're releasing singles and they don't, it doesn't really matter. And you're just kind of thrown together. I yeah. love, I love when bands continue to, 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 to do that and, and kind of uh, place them, you know, from one to 10 or whatever it might be. So that's cool. Oh yeah. But, um, uh, what, what's, uh, what are the plans for hungover in, in 2024? I mean, records out today. Um, any uh, big surprises coming up that you could share with us, or should we just so in, the in the immediate future? Uh, we have an LP release show 310 at uh, Will's Pub in Orlando, Florida. Uh, got a couple festivals that are not yet announced that'll be happening in the summer. Um, got some stuff lined up through the rest of the year that isn't necessarily announced, but if you give us a follow, um, at Hungover Band on everything, uh, we will keep everybody up to date. There's definitely more to come this year. Um, and we're so freaking excited to be back. And even if there's not an announcement, like as soon as you follow us, like there's definitely like some goofy content or, you know, like trying my best to be that content creator, you know, (laughs) TikToker. I gave up. Yeah. I gave up. Go, go validate my color grading and editing skills, please. (laughs) Mark, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this with me tonight. Um, you know, best of luck. Yeah, best of luck with the new record. Uh, if you ever come uh, north, uh, Pennsylvania, specifically the uh, Scranton Wilkesbury area, let me know. If I'm down in the uh, the Florida area, I'll let you know. But um, love the music, love the tunes. Uh, I think everyone, if if you're if you made it this far in, you know, I hope you I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. But most importantly, go stream the new record, Hungover. Um, the new record, the old record, whatever, and uh, follow them on all socials. And dude, I hope, I hope it, I hope you're uh, doing interviews with Zane Lowe next. For sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Me too. That'd be all a right. cool talk. Yeah. Well, thank you again, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. You too. All right. Thanks. <laughs>